I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. From the Boston Globe, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. I was dating this guy. Um, let's just call him Keith. This is Taylin. She lives in New York and works in social media for Self Magazine. She's 23. I knew her back when she used to live in Boston. And I remember she fell hard for this one guy. I kind of clung to him in a sense because we were both, you know, two black people in a very like non-diverse environment. So I just kind of felt like, oh, wow, I really need to get to know this person. And when we dated, things seemed like it was a honeymoon phase. And so this honeymoon phase lasts for six months. Talon gets close with Keith's family. And next thing you know, his mom became my hairstylist. So I felt like our lives were kind of intertwining together in multiple ways. And so begins the tangling. You meet the family. You connect to your new partner's friends on social media. You even follow their mom on Instagram. Things go well for Taylin and Keith until they don't. The honeymoon phase ends. He says he wants a more open relationship. So she breaks up with him. But there's just one thing. I still had all of these connections to him via social media. Um, I unfollowed him, but I didn't unfollow or unfriend any of his friends or even his mother or his sister because I was like, these people didn't do anything to me. They just happened to become a part of my life because I was dating someone that was close to them. Taylin blocks Keith, but she still has this window into his life through these other people. From afar, it seems harmless. Oh, gosh. So here's where things get really complicated and when I realized I probably should have cut things off a lot sooner. So it had been about five months since we broken up. And, you know, I was still following his mom on Instagram and his mother posted pictures from a birthday party that she threw for him. And she posted a picture of these cupcakes and she had little photos of him printed on the cupcakes. And on one row of cupcakes was a picture of him and this girl. And I recognized the girl in the photo, and it was his ex-girlfriend. When you first saw the cupcakes, like how long did it take you to process what was on there and what did you think? Oh my gosh. So I, it was just kind of like a wave of anger and betrayal and something snapped in me and I felt like the crazy ex-girlfriend and I sent him a long lengthy text message hope you had a fantastic birthday 
Glad to know I wasted five months of my life with you as a total rebound. It's always the girls they tell you not to worry about. I hope you guys are happy. I hope I never see you again as long as I live. Waving emoji. And <laughs> yes,、yeah, so I, I truly felt like I was a crazy ex in that moment. I just kind of wanted to hit him where it hurts. And looking back on it, I was like, oh my God, why did I do that? <laughs> I think that breaking up used to be easier. Still hard, still awful, but easier. Your relationship didn't hover over you like a ghost with every swipe of your phone. Back before Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and all the rest, there was no tagging, no notifications, no worry that a picture of your ex on a cupcake with an old girlfriend would show up in your feed while you waited for the subway. It used to be that you just broke up and then tried to avoid each other at the mall. So, as I said last episode, on this season of Love Letters, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get over a breakup. But how is it even possible to move on when our lives remain so entangled? I put this to my sister Brett, who you heard from in the last episode. Sometimes when I read all of the letters that come into me, I feel lucky that we did not have to start our dating lives in the age of social media, that when we were Teenagers, when we were in our early 20s, up until my late 20s, if somebody broke up with me, I didn't have to look at them. They were just gone. I would be like full blown crazy, like way crazier than I am now. Like, I can't even imagine, especially because everyone's life on social media, like Instagram or whatever, like looks all shiny and, and gorgeous and like amazing and, and happy, happy, right? And it's never really like that. And you know that when it comes to like friends and family, but when it comes to an ex, And then, God forbid, that ex is dating somebody who's like ridiculously hot. I don't know. It's it's a it's a nightmare, and I am so glad I'm 44. Dear God. I've always struggled with this in the column I write for the Boston Globe. I can't tell you how many letters I get from people who have trouble managing these connections when they're in a relationship. Then the relationship ends, and it only gets more complicated. Take this letter I got recently. Hi, Meredith. My boyfriend's ex girlfriend seems to be overly jealous. They broke up years ago, but they're still friends on Facebook, and she follows all of his friends and family's posts and likes everything his sister posts. It makes me feel uncomfortable that someone wants to keep up with her ex's life so often and continuously. We are very happy and committed to each other and have a growing future together. Do I have to worry that this girl is constantly going to be in the background, keeping up with our lives? Signed, she likes it. When I responded to her, I told her to give the ex girlfriend the benefit of the doubt. Like, lots of people think it's harmless to stay connected on social media. But is it? I asked Brett what she would advise. No, no, cold turkey, cut it off. Or I remind them over and over and over again whatever you're seeing is 70 to 99% bullshit. Like I try to basically say you have to have perspective on this because remember, your social media feeds bullshit too. I think mine is actually pretty accurate. It's like a picture of my inhaler. Yeah, well, it's you. You're also old, dude. I see Brett's point, but I know it's not easy to quit cold turkey. When I saw one of my ex's wedding photos posted on Facebook, I knew I shouldn't have clicked. But of course I clicked. I clicked on every single photo. This made me think back to Taylin's story. Here she is, a social media expert. And yet, like the rest of us, she looked. 
you never know what little piece of info is going to set you back. Like cupcakes. Or, in my friend Gina's case, a breakfast sandwich. Hi, Gina. How are you? Hi, Meredith. I'm doing great. How are you? All right. Um, so now Gina's a writer and editor living in Philadelphia. She's 30 years old. She told me recently about a breakup that she went through a few years ago. For now, I'm going to call him Bob if I refer to him as a name. Um, his name is not Bob. My ex and I met at the end of college in Philadelphia. They were psyched to fall in love. They were just starting their lives. But they were different people. And over time, those differences only became clearer. It was us kind of trying to play house to solve something that we both knew was already broken, but we weren't really sure how to put an end to it. The breakup is pretty standard. Career stuff, space stuff, personal growth stuff. Their goals just don't line up anymore. We've been getting into a lot of fights about very inconsequential things, like TV shows. I think we were arguing about something on Game of Thrones, and I just, you know... I said something, and I realized he wasn't listening to me at all. And, you know, it was just kind of like his eyes were, like, glazed over. And I just, I, I felt in that moment that he was not in love with me anymore at all. I said, we can't keep doing this anymore. And, you know, at the time, he actually agreed. The breakup is mutual, but it's still painful. I was devastated when we broke up. I cried for two months straight. But life goes on. She assumes there's closure that there's no confusion. Except there is. He actually showed up at my house about a year later um, unannounced and uh, just kept texting me and calling me and I wasn't answering because it was late on a Sunday and I was a little confused as to why he was texting and calling so many times. And does he text first or does the doorbell ring? He just kept calling. And then he texted and said, are you home or come outside or something? And I realized that he was there. So you open the door, you see him on your doorstep. Does he look like, what What do you see in front of you? So I opened the door and I was, I was definitely shocked. I don't know, he said he wanted to talk to me about something. So then I said he could come in. So what did you, in your mind, in those few moments, what do you think he's going to tell you? I was trying to figure it out. I mean, I thought something that very bad had happened. But what does he tell you? We sat down on the couch and, you know, I was like, okay, what's going on? And he said, do you know that I can see your Venmo transactions? I was just, it was so out of the realm of anything that I had been thinking that I had no idea what to say to that. I, I shouldn't be laughing because this is like, listen, I have been on the other side of this where I've concocted like completely strange and untrue narratives based on what I see on social media. So I'm trying to have all of the empathy. But what did he then, ex- I mean, what did he then explain to you that he had seen on your Venmo? He said it's making it really hard for him to move on, to see that, and he doesn't need to see who I'm getting brunch with. And and I was trying to think what he could possibly be talking about, and I realized I had Venmoed my friend Joe for a breakfast sandwich with our running group because he had forgotten his credit card. 
And he obviously thought that maybe I was dating Joe. And, you know, from that transaction. Before I get any further in this story, let me just pause here for a second and elaborate on what Venmo is, just in case you don't know. It's an app that lets you pay people instantly. But the transactions are public unless you make them private. So your friends, or in this case, an ex, can see who you're buying a breakfast sandwich for. The app is also sort of amusing because you can leave these little weird messages in the comments to tell people what you've paid for. You can leave little notes or single emojis inside jokes. So you can write whatever you want as the cause of transaction or what you're paying for, uh, like you said, you know, for sex or like um, for last night, even if it's just like, you know, some sort of household bill. What are some of like the funny things that you might say? in a Venmo transaction with a friend? Oh, man. I mean, I could take a look at it right now. (laughs) Let's see. Slip this money to the pizza guy when you go in for the left handshake. Use this money to pay for your new peg leg. A chicken emoji. A pumpkin. (laughs) Some people just have an eggplant emoji. You can totally see where someone's mind could go with this. Obviously, they're saying something sexual, even though that bill is not for anything sexual, but it's just a lot of eggplants. But apparently, Bob does not understand this at all. And who could blame him? An ex is an ex, and his mind wandered. The breakfast sandwich bothered him a lot. Did it ever occur to you when you signed up to stay private in terms of just like keeping the profile private? It did not occur to me to stay private. I never even thought about it. Everyone using Venmo knows it's a joke. I think then the issue comes in when people who don't know it's a joke are using Venmo and get confused or when people just try to interpret what it could mean. So he's staring at you like you have, well, I guess, like revealed this thing you didn't want to reveal, which you didn't care about revealing this breakfast sandwich that you purchased for Joe. (laughs) Controversial breakfast sandwich. What do you say to him? I was so just completely baffled by that accusation. So even if it was a breakfast sandwich for Joe that meant something more than a breakfast sandwich, and the, the accusation was ridiculous anyway. You know, I think I just said, what's your point? And then he got into the whole thing about not wanting to see what I was doing and that he tried to go on dates, but it was too hard and he could only think of me. So it was almost like the Venmo was just an entry point for him to tell me how lonely he was. But it seems like unfair because, sure, you were clearly having an easier time than he was with a new life, right? But sometimes things look easier than they are. I'm sure you did not post pictures of the moments where you were like super lonely in your apartment or not having brunch with Joe. Like that's not the part of people's lives we see. I got very angry because I felt like I had done more work in dealing with the breakup than he had because at least, you know, for a month or two after that breakup, I was a complete hermit, did not leave my house, um, did not want to see anyone sobbed for days and days and put on, you know, the saddest playlist I could think of and just, you know, cried my heart out. So I think that I felt angry at him because I had grieved and cried and then come out and been better. And he had done nothing and was still coming back to me and telling me that I was too happy. It was like he wanted me to take on the responsibility of his emotions as well as my own and feel guilty that he couldn't do what I had done. And I didn't understand what he wanted from me. I think that 
what people that are kind of struggling with that and struggling with stalking their exes is first of all you need to stop doing that and then second of all you need to instead kind of focus that energy on maybe joining something new or going and finding a new group and you know finding something where you can focus your energy in an outward way instead of in that interior way where you're just going to create a story that's false in your head. Gina, thank you for sharing your story. Um, And I'll be following you on Venmo. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Or don't. (laughs) No, uh, thank you so much for having me, Meredith. It's It's been a pleasure talking with you about this. Here's the thing. Showing up at Gina's house to vent about her Venmo transactions? Not a great look for Bob. But I still have empathy for him. Even the smallest bit of information can be too much. Maybe a total social media blackout seems like overkill, but I really think that's just what's best, at least until you've healed in some way on your own. When I spoke with Taylin, the social media expert you heard from before, she said it best. I just seriously should have just blocked everything, like all ceased all communication. As I took the time to heal and understand and feel better about moving on from the relationship. But if you know in your heart that you won't be able to move on seeing, you know, photos or seeing status updates or just any kind of small tip off relating to this person, it's best to just do the ban, like save your save yourself in that sense. Like you have to prioritize your own mental well-being. There's a part of me that wants to think we're capable of staying connected, at least online, and that maybe we should see some of what our exes are up to, because otherwise it's like putting blinders on. And that doesn't seem healthy either. But after thinking about Gina, Bob, Venmo, and talking to Talon, I think we do have to censor ourselves. When breakups are still raw, you start to invent totally weird narratives in your head. Even when a breakfast sandwich is only a breakfast sandwich. After a breakup, We have to protect our hearts as much as we can. We're bound to see things that hurt us, but we should do everything we can to avoid them. So, go forth and block, and block liberally. You're not deleting your history. I promise that's still all yours. You're just giving yourself the space and distance to heal. And then hopefully, later, you can tangle up with someone new. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe. The podcast is produced, edited, and engineered by Amy Padula. Music by APM. Audio mixing by Maria Muriel. Our executive producers are Scott Hellman and Janice Page. Special thanks to Joseph Tavares, Linda Henry, and Brian McGrory. So what do you think? What social media detangling issues have you dealt with? Do you block, not block your ex? Do you snoop? Send your thoughts to loveletters at boston.com. Next week, I'll be diving into murky breakups, those times when you just don't know whether a breakup really happened or not, and you're left with too many whys. I'll be talking to some public health experts helping teens learn the do's and don'ts of breaking up, and we'll talk to an entrepreneur who built an app for heartbreak after a devastating breakup of her own. Be sure to subscribe to Love Letters on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. 
And please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like us. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.